The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. It's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Adam Finkelstein's here with me. He's the director of scouting, 24-7 sports, and a, a real asset on recruiting and just college basketball in general, the CBS Sports HQ. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Also do that while you're here. Let's get into it. The reason I wanted to talk to Adam today is because there's more recruiting news than anything else these days in the sport of college basketball. And what I want to do is start with Adam on what's happening at Missouri, where Dennis Gates uh, recently secured a commitment uh, from Honor Botang, a 6'5 wing from Little Rock, Arkansas, who is ranked 41st in the class of 2024. That addition means Mizzou right now in this moment has the number one recruiting class in America according to 24-7 Sports Composite Rankings. So let's start there, Adam. Does Mizzou really have the best class in 2024 at this moment? And either way, how impressed are you with what Dennis Gates is doing in advance of his uh, second season in the SEC? Yeah, I, I think they do because, you know, sometimes the, the class rankings are basically a mathematical equation that don't always take fit into consideration. But in this instance, fit is a factor for Mizzou as well. So Dennis Gates is, is really getting it going. He's selling the success uh, from last year in terms of sending two guys pro that were not necessarily on draft boards going into the season. And he's really selling this, this NBA style of play with positional versatility and, and really hanging his hat on player development. Now, obviously, um, NIL is the cloud that looms over every recruiting discussion these days. So I'm not even going to go there, but Suffice it to say, we're just assuming it's competitive because nobody's going to get anything done these days if it's not. But beyond that, um, the player development, the track record that dates all the way back to Florida State of getting guys to the pros, that that's really resonating. And and he is resonating with, with these kids who are, are just believing in his message of player development, positional versatility, and getting guys to the league. Got four players in the class right now. It's Honor Boateng, 6'5 wing. He's ranked 41st in the country. Then there's Peyton Marshall, a seven-foot center, 57th in the country. Marcus Allen, 6'6 wing, 63rd in the country. Uh, Teal Barrett, 6'4 point guard, 88th in the country. So that's four 
top 90 guys in the country. It's interesting because, you know, we're still in September of 2023. These are guys who will uh, play college basketball, not this upcoming season, but the next season. I just sort of skimmed through. Most schools right now have like one commitment or two. Missouri has four. Let me ask you, um, Obviously, Dennis Gates has prioritized the high school ranks. There's no way to get four commitments uh, before October 1st if you have it. How much has, you mentioned NIL and the one-time transfer waiver, changed the way staffs are prioritizing high school basketball players? I know Missouri still is, but it seems like certainly the numbers have been shifted a little bit at most places. You know, I think the biggest change is in in relation to the calendar. What we saw last year and what I expect to continue this year was a a big emphasis on high school players throughout the course of the summer and heading into the early signing period and then almost a ceasefire through the course of, of the college season and even the high school season. I've never seen less foot traffic. Uh, during the high school season in terms of college coaches on the road recruiting than I did last year. So I think, and this is this is a generalization, obviously it doesn't apply to everyone, but I think for the most part, the strategy is to land players who, who coaches believe can be immediate impact talent and to get them early, get them done by the early signing period, and then focus on their team and whatever additions they need after the course of the season to focus on the portal. What I will tell you, GP, is the schools that go into the fall saying, oh, we're going to get what we need in the portal. We've only got three. We're going to be able to get three guys in the portal. Um, they end up being behind the eight ball in the spring because inevitably they end up with six because three guys seem to leave every program. And it's really hard to get six good players in, in the portal right now. Um, you mentioned Dennis Gates. Obviously, he has prospects believing in him. I think he's got Mizzou fans believing in him, just college basketball fans in general believing in him. He's really been terrific, and not just at Mizzou last season, even before that. You know, his past three years, which would include two at Cleveland State and one at Missouri, his past three years as a head coach, 64 and 29 overall. 42 and 17 in his league, two conference titles, two NCAA tournament appearances. Um, what's your um, experience like over the years with Dennis Gates? Was he somebody who, when you saw him working at the assistant coach level, you you could see what you thought you needed to see to to recognize this guy's going to be a a successful high major head coach someday? Well, I'll tell you a recent story. It was April of, of this past year, and, and I happened to sit next to him at an event, uh, recruiting event. And um, admittedly, I didn't end up watching as much of the game as I should have because he and I just ended up ended up talking. And we were talking about players. We were actually talking about the NBA draft. I was doing some legwork, getting ready for, for our CBS uh, Sports HQ coverage of that. And talking to him about some of his guys, and as I mentioned, he he had he had a first round pick last year, and he had someone sign a, a two way deal. So he he had two pros out of that class, and we went back and forth for the better part of, of that hour, just showing me, you know, he he literally handed me his cell phone at one point, showing me how he does film sessions with his guys. He says, you know, we don't sit in the film room and watch film for an hour like most people do. He said. I text them clips throughout the night and I, I'm looking at the clips and I, I said to him, I was like, wait a minute, you're cutting these up yourself. This isn't some polished thing from, you know, this is you taking your cell phone, holding it up to the computer, hitting, hitting record and then text. And then I'm looking at the timestamp and it's like, you know, 1230 on a Saturday night, you know, and, and stuff like that. 
and it, it just speaks to, I thought, his ability to communicate with his players in the way in which they communicate with everybody else and, and really be, be um, to evolve with the times. And I think the other important thing when it comes to his track record is, is the, the links to Florida State. And I'm talking about the Florida State kind of in their glory days, not Leonard Hamilton staff. Because remember, he's got CY on staff with him now, too, who went from Florida State to join him in Mizzou, who was a powerhouse recruiter at Florida State. And they had a long list of guys they developed there. They recruited and developed from Jonathan Isaacs to Scotty Barnes. And you know, these are lottery picks and real success stories in the NBA. Um, and, and so they can sell that now, too. So you, 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 you put all that together, all the stuff they have to sell, the recent history of success, the relatability, the way in which he communicates with his, you know, with his kids, the way in which that they, they talk and, and, um, and the way he's giving his kids information to process. I mean, I, I was really I mean, it was literally a, a film session over text message. I mean, they're going back and forth um, just about like you know, the angle of his feet or the, the different, you know, different skill development points. I, I remember he gave me this, this little nugget. We were sitting there, we we're talking about some of the shooting progression that his guys made last year at Mizzou after he took, took over. And the teaching point there is we shoot strikes. And he said, and I said, okay, what's that mean? He says, if you get a good pass and it hits you in the strike zone, if it hits you in the shooting pocket, you have to shoot that ball if you're open. Otherwise I'm taking you out. So it takes away all the insecurity out of it. And when players have not just that confidence, but that mandate of you must shoot this ball, you saw the shooting percentages really jump up. And that paid off in the NBA stock of a couple of different guys in that Missouri squad last year. Last thing on this topic. Obviously, Missouri has the number one recruiting class right now, according to the composite rankings. Also, according to you. Fine. When it's all over with and the class of 2024 is in the books, what school we have to do this for a dribble handoff tomorrow, cbssports.com. I should probably ask you before I start submitting my answer, what school is going to end up with the number one recruiting class in America? I think it'll be Duke. Yeah. Um, Duke Duke's, you know, the perceived favorite for, for Cooper flag right now. They just got Con Canepo last week. So they've got, they've got three commitments, um, including two five stars right now. But if you look at their roster this year and the types of losses they could have following the season, and I, I mean, I think it's a pretty good chance that the whole starting five is is out after this year at Duke. So they're going to need to still uh, be be recruiting at a really high level. And you look at the players they're still involved with from Cooper Flagg, uh, who's the number one prospect in the country, Patrick Nagumba, who's one of the best uh, big men in the country, VJ Edgecombe, who's a top 10 player in the class. So they've got a – and Dylan Harper, of course, who – you know, we thought was was debating between them and Rutgers where his brother played, but now is going to be taking some more visits. So they've still got is as many five star targets left on the board as anyone in the country. And they have to land uh, it. I think at least two more of them. So that would give them four five star prospects. And I think that would be good enough for the number one class in the country. So Adam Finkelstein thinks Duke will ultimately end up with the number one recruiting class in 2024. And there's a good chance whether they do that or not. They could end up with the number one recruiting class in 2025 because that's a class that features Cameron and Caden Boozer, whose father, of course, uh, their father played uh, at Duke. Regardless, uh, they visited Kentucky this past weekend. So here's the question I'm going to ask Adam next. Will Carlos Boozer's sons really go somewhere other than Duke to play college basketball? I'll get an answer in a second. First, though, quickly, a word from our partners. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So Cameron and Caden Boozer reportedly visit Kentucky uh, this past week. And Cameron Boozer, of course, number one ranked player in the class of 2025. His brother, also a top 20 player in that class. Their father was an All-American at Duke. This weekend, they're at Kentucky. Um, could you see the Boozer boys, as they say, going somewhere other than Duke? I think it's possible. I, I, I think I, I'll just say this is that, you know, they have two parents and everybody talks about, uh, you know, their dad and where he played. But I think a really important part of this one is, is what, am I, what does mom think? And, um, you know, this is this is, you know, there's there's a couple different perspectives to consider here. And everybody is only talking about where where dad played. Um, but there's a couple different voices to consider here. And, uh, you know, this as well as, as well as I do GP, like Duke and Kentucky, they really don't recruit against each other as often as you think. It's almost like they, they kind of establish first, like, is this a Duke kid or is this a Kentucky kid? It's very rare that you see them go head to head for, for somebody right now. Like Kentucky's not recruiting Cooper flag. You know what I mean? Like Duke Duke's recruiting against Kansas and UConn for him. Um, the guys that Kentucky is recruiting, Duke isn't recruiting this year. So there's there's really not much overlap. It, it certainly not as although they are kind of the two biggest brands in the world of recruiting, I don't know that they go head to head as often as they did maybe five years ago. Um, so this so for the boozers to take a visit to Kentucky shows you that at least Kentucky thinks like, hey, we're gonna take a swing at this one here. And there are plenty of other schools that are going to do that, too, because the message, uh, the messaging from from the family is that this is not a foregone conclusion that they just end up at Duke. It's certainly a possibility, you know, but um, Duke's got to recruit them. And this is not like, hey, your dad played here, so you're going to play here, too. It's, it's not an automatic. And I think last week's visit, if any more than anything else, it was indicative of that very, very theme is that this is not a, a, a granted for Duke. It's possible, but it's not automatic. You mentioned Cooper Flag, um, and we'll get to his recruitment in a moment. But uh, obviously, he has, uh, in recent months, uh, reclassified. He was originally in the class with with the Boozers, uh, to 2025. Now he's 24. There was a lot of talk in the summer about how no school wanted or needed Cooper Flag to reclass more than Duke because they wanted Cooper Flag to be in a different class than Cameron Boozer because there was some thought that uh, Duke could get them both but they didn't yeah. want to play together. And now Cooper Flag would theoretically be a one and done, gone before Cameron Boozer even enrolls. Any substance to that at all, what I just described? 
that was complicated by the fact that both Cooper Flag and Cameron Boozer are twins. Um, Cooper Cooper's twin brother Ace has remained in the class of 2025. He, he's at Montverde. And so it wasn't just can these two play together. It was if they both want to go to school with their twin brother, Cameron with Caden, of course, uh, can all four of them fit on the roster and are that many scholarships available to allocate and still get what you need to get? So I think that was the math behind it. Um, I don't have any question that that Cam Boozer and Cooper Flag could not only play together, but could flourish together. I don't think that's going to happen because I think, um, you know, in, unless uh, Cameron ends up reclassifying up, um, Cooper is certainly expected to be on a, a one and done path. The reason why the reclassification was not a surprise for Cooper, though, is because he has a late December birthday, which makes him one and done eligible. Cam is not one and done eligible. And of course, Kate and they have the same birthday. Obviously, they're twins. Um, but so if they were to reclassify up, which doesn't have anywhere near the same momentum, but some people are wondering because we've already had a player uh, do that, go from 2025 to 2024, and that's Jaden Quaintance. Jaden Quaintance is currently a top 10 prospect in the class of 2024, but he would be an ultra young college freshman next year. In fact, he is not age eligible to be one and done. So it's kind of like that Amani Bates situation back from a couple of years ago. Interestingly enough, he just visited Missouri. Um, so he could be the last piece to Dennis Gates's class. He's also considering Cincinnati. He's also considering Kentucky. I think he's going to consider G League Ignite as well because it would give him a, a professional pathway sooner uh, than he would otherwise have access to it. So um, those are some of the questions. But as it relates to your original point about you know needing um, Cooper to reclassify up, I think Duke – I think it was more about the fact that that Cooper was just so good this spring and summer. There was so much NBA attention, and, and he was one and done eligible. I, I really think that was the driving force. I do want you to update us on his recruitment. Obviously, now number one prospect in 2024. Visited UConn this past weekend. What's the latest on the uh, uh, reclassified phenom from the state of Maine? The state of Maine. How about that? Um, he is, he's considering three schools, uh, UConn, Kansas, and Duke. Now each school was trying to get them, get him on their campus for their big fall event. Um, as a UConn alum, I can tell you that the, uh, the football game doesn't really do the trick <laughs> over there in stores. Um, but for UConn, what they were really hoping to do was get him on campus for their ring ceremony from last year. He's going to be playing on national television that week in Las Vegas, though, so that wasn't possible. Kansas and Duke both bringing him in for their respective Midnight Madness-type celebrations. So um, he's going to take those visits, and ultimately he will choose uh, among one of those three is what we are led to believe, with with Duke being the perceived favorite. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, do you have any questions about him, not to get too off the subject, but forget college, as an NBA prospect, is Cooper Flag a sure thing to you, or is there some things that are uh, sources of concern? I, I think that anytime you're talking about a 16-year-old kid, there there are uncertainties. And I think that some of the hyperbole, you know, let me preface it by this. I think I think it is unfair to put the type of expectations, I mentioned Imani Bates earlier, um, I've said this before many times now, but I think as a whole, this community, meaning the grassroots basketball community, and in particular, people who work at major media outlets should have learned lessons uh, based on what happened to Imani Bates and how we label these kids at such an early age. 
So um, I, I know for myself, I have. So I try and be very deliberate with some of the, the words I use and expectations that I put on these kids while still acknowledging how special and unique their ability is. Um, Cooper is, let me say this unequivocally, he's the best prospect in high school basketball, in my opinion. But some of the things that I've heard thrown out over the course of the last month or two, like better than Wembenyama, best prospect since LeBron, it's like, hold on a minute. You know, like, let's like, and, and look, again, let me be clear. That is not a knock on Cooper whatsoever. It's just to say, like, people just get so caught up in wanting to be uh, right first, you know, and say, I knew it first. And if you look at Cooper's numbers, they were spectacular um, last year. But he was playing in the E16 division. He wasn't He wasn't even in, like, the full EYBL. You look at his numbers at Montverde last year, averaged nine points per game. He was the fourth leading scorer on that team. So there are still some things to prove without question. But as I said, I think he is the best prospect in high school basketball. He is, I've said this uh, before as well, he's the best shot blocker I've seen at his age who's not seven feet tall. I mean, his defensive instincts are off the charts. He is uh, A-plus in competitiveness and intelligence um, and in versatility on both ends of the floor. He's a terrific prospect. But anytime you're 16 years old, you've got lots of questions still left to answer. If you go back to Peach Jam, that is when, even though people expected him to reclass, technically Cameron Boozer and Cooper Flag were in the same class at that point. Mm -hmm. And I was just sort of asking quote coaches, whenever I sat down like you did with Dennis at an event, sit down with coaches, I'm just sort of picking their brains like, yeah. hey, how much you seen Cooper? How much you seen Cameron? What do you think? Um, and and the, the I don't know if it was the consensus, but what I heard from multiple coaches is obviously they're both special talents. Mm -hmm. you, you can't be ranked this way, regarded this way without being a special talent. What I had multiple coaches tell me was that if you were trying to win a game this weekend, they would rather have Cooper flag than Cameron Boozer. But if you were trying to win a game in six years, they would rather have Cameron Boozer over Cooper flag. Do you, do you subscribe to any of that? I don't know. I, I what I will tell you is that three weeks prior, uh, three months prior to that, um, I, I I think that Cam Boozer was the player that most people were saying was the best player in high school basketball. Um, I, I think part of the context gets lost among people because you go to Peach Jam and the whole basketball community is there, and so that's your best opportunity for for people to to kind of get a sense of these guys. Cam Boozer was sick that week, like playing through illness that week. And that was not the best version of Cam Boozer. Um, I think Cam Boozer has an incredibly high floor, meaning, um, you know, I, I think he's a guy who's going to be really hard to miss. Um, exactly, you know, what his upside is, what his ceiling is, I, I think that remains to be seen. But we're talking about a guy who's six foot nine, who's really skilled, who's incredibly smart. I mean, a big time passer moves laterally really, really well. There's still some things he needs to needs to add. He too played in the, the 16 and under division this year. And, you know, I, I think both of those guys could have played in, in 17 and under and been just fine. AJ Devonza, who's uh, currently a sophomore, although I think he'll end up in the 2025 class, he led the Peach Jam in scoring this year. So he's another one of those young players in that same conversation with those two among the, in my opinion, the best three prospects in high school basketball. So I won't hold you to it, but just to get it on the record, while recognizing a whole lot of stuff can change between now and then, would it be your prediction based in this moment in time that Cooper Flag enrolls at Duke, plays one season, and then Cameron Boozer enrolls at Duke, plays, plays one season? Is that what you're expecting? I am expecting um, 
I'm expecting both of them to be currently on a one and done track. I think Duke is uh, the favorite for both at this point, but I do think there are going to be more surprises in the Boozers recruitment than people necessarily expect. That's interesting. Uh, got one last thing I want to touch on before we get out of here, and that's because Kansas secured a commitment on Monday night from a uh, top 30 prospect in the class of yeah. 2024. His name's LeBaron Phylon. I'm going to ask Finkelstein about him next. But first, one more word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Baron Phylon has announced that he is going to play college basketball at Kansas for Bill Self. He is a 6'3 point guard from Mobile, Alabama, number 27 in the class of 2024. He was previously committed to Auburn, decommitted. Now he's going to be a Kansas Jayhawk. First, um, to the best of your ability, what, what happened at Auburn? Um, I, well, they got a commitment from Tahad Pettiford as well. So I think there was, you know, it got a little crowded there. And, and as I said, there's NIL looms over every, uh, every recruiting issue and the, and, you know, going on right now. And so it's, it's speculation to say exactly what happened, but I think certainly, you know, the, the backcourt started to get a little crowded. So he's a top 30 player in his class. What type of point guard is, uh, Kansas getting here? Kansas is getting a big point guard. He's about six foot three, and he is uh, terrific in the open floor. That's why the Auburn fit would have been pretty good, quite honestly, because he plays with great pace, loves to get up and down, um, and he can make plays for himself and others. He's a good pull-up shooter, working to get a little more consistent out to the three-point line, but he's he's also a guy who can really stuff the stat sheet. He's a good rebounding guard. As I said, he puts good assist numbers up. Um, he's got good hands defensively, so... Uh, he he leverages his size, gets his hands on a lot of balls. Um, and, and I think that it for Kansas, it just really struck me as a smart move because the intel that, that I've heard is that Elmarco Jackson is kind of living up to what we expected last year. So maybe he ends up being one and done. Certainly they have to, to uh, prepare as if that's a possible scenario. Um, Harris, who I think could be one of the best college point guards in the country this year, who knows what happens to his future. So um, this to me was them really solidifying the future of their backcourt, given some, given Chris Johnson's decommitment, and then some of the off-court issues that have have impacted the uh, their depth at the point guard position. Um, you know, at, at at Kansas, you mentioned El Marco Jackson. He's the big five-star guard who is enrolling, and yet most people don't have him as a projected starter this season because of uh, Dewan Harris. Uh, Nick Timberlake, Kevin McCullough probably looks like your one, two, three. Still, you've seen El Marco Jackson more than I, more than most. Um, whether he's in the starting lineup or not, what's that going to look like for Bill Self? 
Well, first of all, about the starting lineup point, I think that if recent history has shown us anything, it's that college role is not necessarily a, a corollary to your NBA draft stock. I mean, right. we've seen lottery picks who came off the bench. Jeremy Sohan is the, the one that, that comes to mind first and foremost. I mean, he was coming off the bench and, and um, was it Kendall? Who was the guy playing in front of him on that Baylor team? It was another freshman. Everybody was projecting him to be the one and done guy. And it was actually his backup who was Sohan, who, who That's ended right. up being, being the lottery pick. So I think in some ways, um, having a defined role is almost um, almost helpful in some cases because it, it allows you to play within a certain scheme and to kind of let scouts keep guessing. And Marco Jackson so physically talented, um, scouts are going to be really optimistic about what he can grow and blossom into. And obviously, Bill Self is is someone who really makes you earn your role. I mean, freshmen aren't coming. There are plenty of freshmen who go there and, and don't play as much as maybe we thought they were going to a year before. And the reviews out of Lawrence so far have all been really positive. So if he's impressing Bill Self and, and he's going to play a role where he's going to look good because he's he's going to be surrounded by veterans and, and kind of had the game simplified for him a little bit, I, I think his NBA stock could be um, encouraging this year. But again, I, I don't want to, you know, like we'll have to wait and see. Um but I think you put him in a situation, especially without Arturio Morris now, where he could be a guy who comes in, plays a lot of secondary ball handler, where he's able to, to put some pressure on the rim, assert himself defensively. I mean, this is a big, strong, athletic guard who has always taken pride in his ability on the defensive end of the floor. Um, and I, I think is, is going to be able to kind of live up to, to that bar that Kansas sets on that end of the floor. And, and so I think even if it's in a sixth man role, I think having the the luxury of having that kind of experience around him on a winning team where he's not going to have to put up 20 points per game to intrigue NBA scouts. I, I think this, this could really be a good situation for him. The Kendall you mentioned at Baylor, Kendall Brown, Thank second you. round pick after the 2022 season. He appeared in six games last season for the Indiana Pacers. Uh, Arterio Morris, just on the, we're talking Kansas right now based off of, of the commitment uh, the Jayhawks secured Monday night. Um, obviously, he had issues off the court before he played at Texas. Transfers to Kansas, another issue off the court. His career is uh, very much up in the air right now. Is this a young man who had a terrible reputation throughout the grass? Is this something people talked about, or is this just some like when you first heard Arterio Morris has been accused of this? Was it like, yeah, that sort of lines up, or oh wow, I would have never imagined this young man being involved in stuff like this? You know, he was a player that was um, he, he played in the Under Armour Rise circuit. So he wasn't one of these guys that like was I mean, he was kind of emerging late. So we didn't have the same length of intel on him, didn't have the same amount of due diligence. Um, that having been said, I think the expectation was that, is that there were going to be some growing pains. Um, now, the types of issues he's had in the last two years, um, those are obviously really really significant. I, I wouldn't want to speculate on, on any past around that. Um, but I, I can say that I hadn't heard anything like this um, before those those accusations uh, that, that first popped up last year at, at Texas. But um, he was someone that, from a basketball perspective, he was someone that, that we all knew was going to have to kind of acclimate to learning to play within the context of a college system and incorporate his you know, his tools, you, you know, the, the term within coaches is he's got to learn how to play. And that's what people used to say about Arterio Morris. He was someone that like, you could see the talent, you could see the tools, but it was a matter of, could he 
um, could he buy into a, a bigger team concept and, and uh, really kind of mature in that setting? And, and um, you know, the last two years, unfortunately, obviously, there have been some really concerning things. Yeah. Uh, for folks who are listening who might be unaware, uh, just to get it on the record, he was accused of uh, being involved in a physical altercation with a young woman um, in advance of his first season at Texas. And then um, more recently, in advance of what would have been his first season at Kansas, um, he has reportedly been accused of, of, of sexual assault by a, a, a young woman. Innocent until proven guilty. Obviously, goes without saying in the legal system, but um, he is currently serving a suspension from the Kansas basketball program. And like I said, his uh, college career now seems like it's uh, at the very least in, in some sort of, of jeopardy. We'll see and keep you updated on that story as as developments occur. Adam Finkelstein, thank you for being here. I appreciate your time and your recruiting expertise. We'll do it again. Can I bother you again sometime? Oh, I love coming on anytime. I appreciate you having me. This is always fun. You're the best, brother. I appreciate you. That's Adam Finkelstein. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck and Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching, listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Rate it, review it. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. And we'll talk to you again real soon. Till then. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner I. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do average 29 and 11. God, shit. What'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.